children of the queens, but what? The bitches, not the sisters, but what? The bitches, not the young ladies, but what? The bitches, the bitches, the bitches. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here we are again, baby. Number two this week. Um, so, as promised, we are going to do two this week. Yesterday, we did a lot of the movie stuff. Today, we're going to get back into the NFL stuff and um, kind of talk more. Maybe we'll get into some other sports as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to see where it takes us. So, it's funny. Last last night, um, I I did... The, the Rams were going to be one of my picks last week. But, obviously, with COVID and everything, I, I couldn't go through with it. But, <laughs> it's ridiculous because, you know, all this shit happens... And everything goes back to normal just a couple of days later. So it's hard to tell. And, um, you know, this, all of this, you know, canceling and rescheduling and still playing. And then, well, the, we're going to play, but then this guy isn't available. I mean, it's just, it's a nightmare. But they looked pretty good last night. Now tied for the lead in the division which certainly makes things interesting. So um this week I think we're just going to we're just going to lay it on the table. We're going to lay it on the table. We're just going to we're going to take a bunch of games and we're going to we're going to see if we can um you know keep keep uh keep the hot streak alive here. Um there's no sense in in um Continuing to, I mean, I do like a lot of games, um, you know, the strategy of, you know, taking games that I truly only genuinely love, um, I think is going to result in some weeks um, where I'm not going to take anything. Like last week, you know, we kind of struggled to get two picks together. I mean, they fucking... <laughs> Luckily, went 2-0 and by Chicago covering on the last fucking play of the game. But, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, if I sit there and wait for lines that I truly, like, really love, that we're going to find ourselves in that predicament going forward. Um, so, you know, I want to at least maybe 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 change that strategy a little bit and pick um several games and then maybe rank them in the order in which that I like them uh, especially now that that you know we just had football on Thursday Saturday Sunday Monday and Tuesday <laughs> so maybe kind of spread the wealth a little bit if it's going to be all over the place like that again. I don't know. We're going to try that this week. And if it com ends up in a complete failure, then we'll go back to last week's strategy. But that said, there are um, a lot of games that I do like today or this week rather. So let's, let's just go through it. So I think my top play of the week 
right now is going to be Atlanta at home giving five and a half against Detroit. Atlanta is bad. They're they're bad. Um and I think everybody knows it. They just who did they just play? They just got shellacked again. Yeah, they just got shellacked thirty one thirteen. In their last in their yeah, in their last yeah, this is interesting. In their last six games, we'll go back six games. In their last six games, they're three and three. They won against the Saints 27-25. They won against the Jaguars 21-14. And then they beat the Panthers 29-21. In their losses, they lost 43-3 against the Cowboys. <laughs> they lost 25-zip against New England. Uh, they lost... 30 to 17 against the Bucks and then this past week 31-13 against the Niners. So I'm sorry, 3 and 4 in their last 7. I mean, the fact that they're anywhere near 500 with that margin of victory is honestly pretty impressive. So it almost seems as if when they play good teams, they get completely wrecked. And then when they play some of the lesser teams in the league, they at least hang around. And oftentimes beat them. But it's interesting because they haven't won a game in Atlanta all season. The only quote-unquote home victory that they have was at home against the Jets, which was played in London. So they don't have a win in Atlanta all year, which is crazy. So they have six wins on the road, and they're... Uh, technically 0-7 at home. Or, no. Excuse me, I'm sorry. They're 0-6. 0-5 at home. In Atlanta. So, I'm... I'm of the opinion that... People have been seeing... You know, nobody pays attention to when Atlanta beats Carolina. People pay more attention to... Only when, you know, Atlanta is making headlines when they're making, you know, the Bucks or some of these other playoff-bound teams look good by getting blown out. So my belief is that the perception of Atlanta is down in the dumps. And I think kind of the converse of Detroit to the point where they're, they, all of a sudden, they've won two out of three games. And they just blew out the Cardinals. So I think the narrative... I was I was a big fan of the Lions several weeks ago. Even, even as recent as last week. Um, you know, I, I was beating their drum about how good they were covering, uh, you know, against the spread. You know, we had them as one of the podcast picks when they did win that game against Minnesota. Um, I love them. Love Detroit. Love Dan Campbell. I love everything that they're about. Um, I just think that the narrative is finally caught up to the public opinion where people do realize that this team has played teams very close and that they've finally broken through and have won a couple of games now. So I tend to believe that the perception of the Lions is that they're right now the better team than the Falcons. And I I don't know I don't know if that's true because 
Detroit <laughs> is similar in the way that they have not won a game on the road. And there are a lot of games that they haven't even been competitive on the road. A lot of the close games that they have played and the games that they have won have all been in Detroit. So I think that this is still a really, really, really bad road team, especially. I mean, it's a bad team. This is a team that's in line for the for a top two pick. Like, this is not a good team. Just because they won a couple of games, and last week they blew out uh, the Cardinals team, who have not been looking good lately. Um, I think that, you know, things have kind of, perception's kind of a little, little bit too far on Detroit, which is why I really like Atlanta laying the five and a half. A little bit of a weird number, but I don't really care. I would take them up to six and a half. Um, I think that, you know, uh, like Matt Ryan is kind of playing for his job. They're not out of the playoff hunt yet. They need this game. And I'm not saying that that has anything to do with this because I like, I don't like putting that type of logic into my bidding strategy, but the number here tells me Atlanta is definitely the better team. Um, and you know, my, my, my sort of logic tells me that, you know, people are down in Atlanta and they're high on Detroit and Detroit's been covering like crazy. Atlanta just got blown out. We're going to flip the switch. We're going to, we're going to take the, um, we're going to contrast the pit, the, the general view of this and we're going to roll with Atlanta. I love it. I love the minus five and a half, a little bit of a low over under at 42 and a half, but Again, and Detroit is a terrible, terrible road team, so I feel comfortable rolling with Hotlanta this week as my top play. Let's see what we like for number two. Number two, I, I've been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth on this game. Um, and I think, I think that I'm finally, finally settling... Um, with my number my number two top play going back to the well with New England minus two and a half. Um you know, they, they, they didn't show up last week and you know, they almost came back. Um the two and a half and, you know, I know um, you know, by game time the one and a half that was pretty much locked up and secured. Um you know, once the Colts finally got the ball back, and then obviously a lot of people got shafted a little bit when Taylor broke off the long run, which obviously sucks. But, <clears throat> you know, Indy's a good team. They play teams very tough at home, but they're always very close. New England came roaring back in the second half. Um, so, I, I don't know how much stake you could put in that. You know, you're asking a um, a rookie quarterback to go in and, and win on the road uh, in a playoff-type environment because if Indy were to lose that game, that that was, you know, that's that's close to an elimination game for them at this point uh, versus a, you know, a former MVP-level quarterback. you got this MVP-level running back, and for them to, to go in there and play close, uh, in my opinion, is impressive uh i think a lot of people are taking it the other way saying that new england hasn't beaten anybody and mac jones isn't very good 
and this and that and the other thing. Um, you know, I think if you put it in a vacuum, if it was anybody else but Bill Belichick coaching that team, um, you know, going and competing on the road like that against Indy with a rookie quarterback, I don't care who you are, is pretty impressive. And they've been really good on the road all season. And yes, they're... Their wins, um, you know, many of them coming on the road, they're only three and four at home. Their wins have been, you know, you can, you can make a, a case where, you know, you could say uh, the Chargers are maybe their only legitimate win in that win streak. Because, you know, people like to be like, oh, well, you know, that Buffalo game was weird. And then they played the Titans at home who didn't have anybody. And then it's the Falcons, the Browns, the Panthers, and the Jets. So you can, you know... A lot of people like to point to the fact that they've beaten a lot of bad or banged up or a team like at Buffalo where that game was just completely weird and they were just outcoached. You know, a lot of people, like I said, point to that Chargers win as maybe the only legitimate win in the streak, which I disagree with. This is the NFL. Like, the, the like winning that many games in a row, no matter who you're playing, is impressive. Um and it's not like there aren't several teams that are 500 or better in that streak at all either. I don't care if people are in or out or whatever. These are, they're still playing pros week in, week out. So I think that anybody besides a Patriot fan is kind of starting to become down on New England for that very reason where it was just kind of like, oh, see, they lost to the Colts on the road, so now they're not very good. Everybody was, like, saying the Patriots are back, and they're not really back because they just lost to the Colts. That, to me, is just total, total hogwash, um, which is, again, a, a big reason why I have come around and like New England this week. I think a lot of people are going to be taking Buffalo plus the two and a half because they think Buffalo is going to outright win this game. I think a lot of people are going to be lumping Buffalo into a teaser at plus eight and a half uh, because they think that that's a fucking sure thing. And <laughs> the more that I think about the people who would be doing something like that, the more I love the Patriots. And um, yeah, give me New England minus two and a half at home. I know it's tough to beat a team twice. I know it's tough to beat a good team twice. Um you know, I definitely like Buffalo, uh, as I was saying last week with the NFL stuff. I like them as a future betting pick, um, and I still like them as kind of a hedge towards this game, too, because if they do win this division, their odds for winning the Super Bowl are going to skyrocket a little bit. So if you haven't taken that, I would still recommend taking that. But for this particular game, um, I do like New England minus the two and a half as my second play of the week. I just think that you know, uh, people want to doubt uh, Bill Belichick, and um, I don't know if I, I'm just not here for it. <laughs> um, what else we got here? So that's top play, second play. Um, what are we going to do? Uh, I kind of like, let's do this. I kind of like another... Um, two-team teaser here. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I I think I'm coming around to this. I like this. Uh, So for my third play, we are going to take a um, Tennessee, a Tennessee and Minnesota two-team teaser. That's what we're going to do. Tennessee is coming off a pretty ugly loss against Pittsburgh. They went up like 10 nothing early. I know we faded them last week on the podcast too. Um it was just they couldn't they can't move the fucking ball. Um they can't move the ball. And uh I know they're banged up. Uh Julio Jones now out with a hamstring injury. Um you know, AJ Brown's still obviously on IR. Um so, you know, they're they're nicked up, there's no doubt about it. Um and the 49ers are rolling. But this is this is a, a Tennessee is still a team that plays well at home regardless of, you know, what their injury status may be. Um you know, especially like you think back to um, I guess that game was on the road too. But that first week that they didn't have Henry, they go at at the Rams and they beat them on the road. And you know they've won they've won several games at home. Um, you know, especially since that stint against pretty solid, pretty solid competition. They've beaten the Saints at home. They had that bad loss in the Texans in that bad weather game. That's gonna happen. And they just blanked the Jaguars at home as well. Um, so, you know, obviously not su- super, super duper great opponents that they're beating at home. But they've, you know, they've been home, um, you know, three times in the last five games. And they're 2-1. and one, um, And they're 5-2 and two overall in Tennessee. So I think that, you know, they're a pretty solid home team. Niners are actually have the same away record as the Titans do. Um, so they're obviously a road team that travels pretty well. But, you know, this is a, you know, I mean, Tennessee is not totally cross-country, but it's pretty far for the Niners to travel on a short week on a Thursday night versus a team that, regardless of who's playing, has shown to be pretty solid at home. Um you know, I don't think Tennessee is going to necessarily win this game, but I think they sure as heck got a good chance. I mean, they're plus three and a half, for Christ's sake, so they definitely can win this game. Uh, I like lumping them in at the nine and a half. Um, I think I feel like that that's, you know, that I have a good feeling that they'll be able to keep it within 10. I think, you know, like I said, a lot of people are down on them right now and for good reason. But those are the teams that we like to take is the teams that people are down on a little bit. So I like the Titans on Thursday night, plus nine and a half, and lumped in with a teaser, which is with Minnesota, which will be Minnesota plus nine at home versus the Rams. This is another instance where Minnesota, uh, you know, I mean, look, by all accounts, looked terrible against Chicago. Um they looked really, really just dreadful against them, honestly. Um, and 
But the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that after that disappointing loss at Detroit, they've won back-to-back games. Against Pittsburgh, they looked great. But this is, this is, this, this is the song and dance with Minnesota. Is that it, and it's been Kirk Cousins' entire career, too. It's like he has these moments where they look great. Like, they, they're the only team that truly beat Green Bay this year. Like, Green Bay has three losses, one of which where Aaron Rodgers just decided not to play to kind of, you know, say fuck you to the organization in week one. And then they had um, Jordan Love play against the Chiefs. So Minnesota is really the only team that has beaten Green Bay this year. So they they can show up on any given Sunday. And... um, you know, I think the line is telling you here that that's what's expected. I think you get Kirk Cousins in a one o'clock slate game, non-primetime game. He's not great against playoff teams in general, but if you put him in a primetime game, like against Chicago, he had 87 yards passing. I would never, ever, ever put my faith in Kirk Cousins in a primetime game. He had 87 yards passing against Chicago, and they won that game. Um but one o'clock game, uh, nobody's going to be watching that. Well, I guess some people will, but um, that one's flying under the radar a little bit. It's currently Rams minus three. Give me that game uh, in the teaser. You're going to have Minnesota plus nine, Tennessee plus nine and a half, two teams, six point teaser. Um, I feel good about both teams kind of keeping it close at home. So, um, yeah, we'll roll with that for number three. Um, and then, I don't know if I want to make this another two-teamer, or separate it and give us a solid five for the week. Um, yeah, we'll make it a, we'll make it another two-teamer as the fourth fourth best play of the week and then we'll leave it at that um this this one is i put it at number four maybe it should be one i don't know i'm putting it at number four because this is not my typical strategy but you know it is what it is and i Never like to bet on gut feeling ever, but if there <laughs> there's a handful of players that like that can especially defy any sense of reason or any sense of strategy that you may have. There's just a couple of players that you just got to throw that out the window for sometimes, and I think Tom Brady is obviously one of them. Uh, getting blanked on national TV against the Saints, who always give them trouble. I mean, people forget that, you know, people were so surprised. I mean, you know, obviously the Bucks putting up zero points is surprising no matter what. But them losing that game, a lot of people would have been surprised with as well. But they were 0-2 against um, New Orleans last year in the regular season. And the Saints are, they're just a team that 
that plays them tough. I mean, you know, the, the in the regular season now under the Tom Brady era in Tampa Bay, they are 0-4 against New Orleans. <laughs> so I don't think that I was that surprised that New Orleans won the game given the given the track record. Did I think it was going to be 9 nothing? No. And did I think that they were going to be able to beat them with Taysom Hill, who I think is a, a mockery of NFL quarterbacks? No. But hindsight is twenty twenty. But that said, you know, New Orleans has owned them in the regular season. And for whatever reason, that, 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 that is the reality of the case. So... I think Tom, if you looked at the, if you <laughs> watched the end of that game, they zoomed in on his face and he looked like he was about to murder somebody. <laughs> he had that Tom Brady look where I would never, never, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to certainly be any part of uh, going against him the following week after a look like that. So I think Tampa. <laughs> I know Godwin's out for the rest of the year now. I know Fournette's going to IR. I don't know what the status with Evans is. I don't really care. I don't care. <laughs> At this point, I don't care. Um, I think that Tom Brady, if we're going to lump them in a teaser here where you get Tampa Bay minus five, again, typically I wouldn't like that. My tra- more traditional sense would be to um, – take the Panthers in this situation, but I'm not going to be fooled in betting against Tom Brady after an embarrassing loss. I looked it up recently. After a regular season loss, Tom Brady is 51-14 and 14 as an overall record. Against the spread, I couldn't find that information. I'm sure that that's probably well over 500 as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to take Tampa, um, you're going to get the extra six points, so you're going to get Tampa at minus five at Carolina. Um, you know, I like I said, I have no really good reason other than the fact that I think Tom Brady's going to play with an absolute uh, maniacal chip on his shoulder this week after getting blanked at home on uh, national television. So that's my that's my rationale for that game. Typically not... Not my regular strategy, but with Tom, we're we're put we're putting our chips in that basket, and then we're gonna lump that in with um, the Texans. We're gonna take the Texans in this two team teaser as well. So they are plus nine and a half. So you're gonna get them at plus sixteen and a half, uh, home against the Chargers. Chargers have. Obviously, at times looked really good. They had Kansas City on the ropes last week. Um, you know they they've blown out a couple teams. Um, you know in the in the, you know they've blown out some pretty good teams uh, lately. Um, but they have they have games where they just don't show up, and some of them happen to be on the road too. I mean, you know. It all starts with, like, you see them, they go on the road uh, at Washington at the beginning of the year. You know, they come away with a small victory. At the time, it seemed like that was probably a good victory, but Washington hasn't turned out to be all that good. Um, they get blown out 34-6 to at Baltimore. They play a close game against the Eagles on the road. They get blown out by the Broncos on the road. 
um, you know, they're just kind of all over the place. And I know, I just think they lack consistency. Maybe it's with the coach. I don't know. But they have weeks where, you know, they get blown out on the road at Denver. And then the following week, they blow out Cincinnati on the road. And it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to put my faith, since you're getting a ton of points here, that um, the Chargers are a team that does indeed struggle on the road. Um, that's what it appears to me. Um, again, you, there's a probability and propensity for this team to overcome. I mean, they're four, four and two on the road. It's just, you know, I don't see like convincing victory other than Cincinnati. There's no real convincing victories and there are some blowout losses. So, uh, I don't put too much solace in the record itself. I just don't know if they're going to waltz into Houston and just completely blow the doors off them if you're going to get them at 17.5. Obviously, the line is at or near um, 10 for a reason. Houston is not good, and the Chargers are good. But they have shown a uh, a propensity to you know engage in letdown games in the past, um, especially, like I said, on the road where you know they show up and kind of escape with a victory or get fucking blown out. So I like Houston here. Again, between my non-regular logic and, you know, just saying Tom Brady's going to overcome all the odds here and, um, you know, lumping that in with Houston, I'm going to leave this as the fourth play of the week, a Houston-Tampa two-team six-point teaser. Tampa minus five, Houston plus 16 and a half. And we'll see how we do. That's four picks for the week. So by the end of the week, we are currently seven and one uh, overall. Um, And, uh, you know, we could either be 11 and one (laughs) or we could be seven and five or we could be somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good about this slate, like a lot of these games this week. But um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Taylor Fate, the choice is yours. Uh, so I wasn't, I honestly didn't even really prepare much to talk about this week. Um, you know, just because I spent an hour and a half talking and, re- and, and researching movies and stuff yesterday. Uh, so I did get my, uh, food sensitivity test back. Um, you know, I, now all of a sudden I have to avoid stuff like wheat and, um, (laughs) surprise, surprise, apparently Chinese food is really bad for me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I got to start taking some vitamins and stuff like that because it shows like the deficiencies of different stuff that you have, at least in like your gut health and stuff like that. So I have to go through it. It's like a 65 page fucking packets, this huge thing. So I still have to sort through it a little bit, but, uh, I'm not celiac and I'm not lactose intolerant. So, uh, we do have that going for us. It's just certain things that I'm going to have to stop eating. Which I kind of figured. I mean, you know, I knew some of the weight, some like certain days where I, you know, wake up and eat something. It's like, what the hell, you know? So I figured 
figured I was going to have to give up something, but honestly, it doesn't really look that bad. Um, so there's that. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about college basketball quickly. Uh, it looked like Villanova was going to get blown out again yesterday. Um, it's almost as if that game against Baylor, it's almost as if they were like a, um, like a, like a little schoolboy that was taken up on stage in front of the whole school and just had his pants dropped in front of him and just got embarrassed and just couldn't recover from that. Um, you know, that, that scoring 36 points in a fucking basketball game is just so embarrassing that it just took him a couple games to kind of right the ship. Took him at least, certainly they didn't show up against Creighton. And they did not show up in the first half last night either. But, you know, Justin Moore, Caleb Daniels kind of turned it up in the second half. Maybe that can create some sort of momentum moving forward. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, they got Temple at Seton Hall, then home against Creighton at DePaul, at Xavier, then two more home games against unranked Butler Marquette, then Georgetown, DePaul, St. John's. So the, you see the schedule obviously lightens up compared to the beginning of the year. You didn't expect them to get blown out by 20 at Creighton like that. But if you want to give them a pass with that, using the analogy that I did of them being a little boy that just got pants in front of the whole school where they just didn't show up for that game, um, you know, we could kind of let it slide. This, they still obviously had Purdue and UCLA on the ropes. So this team, when it's at... It's, you know, normal strength is obviously still good. Um, but it's just a matter of, like, when, you know, when the shots are falling. And they don't seem to be falling. Even last night, I mean, for an entire half, they were, they were shooting, like, 20%. And I don't know if that's, you know, Coach Wright was with USA Basketball this past summer. And, you know, the team historically starts slow uh, when he's not there over the summer. And, you know, they got a long season still to go. Uh, you know, I, they're going to have to rattle off a bunch of wins in a row for me to kind of reinstill my faith a little bit. Obviously, last night was a, was was big. I didn't even watch it because I was just under the assumption that they were done, especially after the first half. I was like, fuck this. Uh, but if they could turn around and win, you know, the next uh, four or five in a row, then, you know, then we're back in the mix a little bit. Uh, it's just hard to, it's really hard to tell. And, you know, Coach Wright, if anybody's going to be able to get this team right, it's just that they, they seem all, like, disjointed, which doesn't make any sense because it's the same fucking team as last year, that was pretty pretty goddamn good, and was the closest one to knocking off Baylor in the tournament. <laughs> like, I don't know how you take that momentum, and then Robinson Earl is the only guy that leaves, and you have everybody come back, and it looks like a team where nobody's played with each other before. Very bizarre, but maybe that is part of the you know coach right going to USA basketball thing. I don't know. Uh, I've just noticed that in the past. Um, 
and obviously with you know speaking people from around the team and stuff too that 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 is a legitimate thing so you know maybe maybe we ought to be a little bit more patient i don't know but uh at the same time it hasn't looked great you don't get a win versus any of those top teams i mean you know you go one and two you go you could say okay well Two of them were on the road. One of them was on a neutral court, but you don't kind of come away with any of them. Uh, that's that's definitely disappointing for a team that was supposed to be a national title contender, and I definitely don't think that they are. They're not deep enough. They're not big enough. Um, but there's still some time. I don't want to give up too much hope. If they had lost that game last night, I would have totally punted on the season, uh, especially if they lost it by a lot at home. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of time to kind of right the ship here. These next couple games are, are pretty important. If they can go, like I said, if they can rattle off four straight wins or win like six of seven or something like that, then you start to kind of get back into it, build a little bit mom- a little bit of momentum. But, um, you know, I just don't think that this team is as good as everybody thought it was, and uh, it's disappointing. You know, at this stage in my life especially, uh, with my teams being as bad as they are, it's hard. It's hard to like, you know, stay involved. You know, like what? what <laughs> I didn't watch any football really this past Sunday. I watched the Patriots Colts game because you know Saturday night that was a big game. I like to watch that, and you know, obviously, I like to. Uh, I like to see uh, I like to see my picks do well because I know that people take them and I want them to win. Um, but you know when it comes to you know some of the other games that you can't get because of you know the regional stuff, like I I have no interest in watching the Giants at this stage of where they're at and at this stage in my life. There's absolutely no goddamn good reason why I need to go watch Mike Glennon throw three interceptions against Dallas <laughs> in less than 100 yards. Like, what's the point? There is no point. I don't need to see that. What, what to see what? You know, I was having this conversation last night with a couple of friends. It's like unless unless your team is competing for a playoff spot or, um, you know, you have um, like a, a, a big rookie, you know, quarterback or like a big rookie star player or something like that. <clears throat> when your team is bad, what's the point? I Like... Obviously, you want to see some progress, but I don't know what progress you can see from the Giants or the Jets at this point. Obviously, the Jets at least have, like, a rookie quarterback that they took early in the draft that you want to see perform well. And, like, last week, you know, while we're on the subject, they did perform pretty well. They were moving the ball against Miami. I mean, his stat line wasn't great, but, you know, you want to see them compete in a division game like that, no doubt. So... You know, that I can understand watching, but with the Giants, I mean, man, oh, man, I I just can't. So it's like, if you're our age, 27, 28 years old, like, 
the you don't have that like blind fanhood you did when you were a kid where like you think that you could win every game and every game that you could potentially win is a good thing <laughs> now you know you get older and then you get more cynical where it's just like do you even really want the Giants to win any of these games because I don't <laughs> Jones is out for the year and you got either Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm is playing quarterback for the team <laughs> Like, what's the fucking point? So, I mean, you know, between the Giants being shit, Villanova being disappointing, um, you know, I am a quote-unquote Knicks fan, but am I really heavily invested in them? No. Um, I haven't truly, I haven't even watched a game of theirs this season either because they suck too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I know it's like it's at some level it's kind of sad or it's just like you know you stop caring unless your team is good which I guess would put you on quote unquote uh, a bit of a a bandwagon um, but I I just you know I just can't stomach it anymore like I've been such a diehard giant fan for my whole life and they've been so bad for the last 10 years it's just like I, I, I can't, I, I, I can't, if I'd rather watch a movie than watch Mike Glennon play the Dallas Cowboys. I just would. <laughs> because that would add more value to my life. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just sad. It is, it is, it's sad. And like Villanova is always the one team that I bank on being good for me and then <laughs> And then they fucking already have four losses this year in a year where we thought they may have five losses on the season. (laughs) You know, it's fucking, it is what it is. But, you know, there's always, there's always, you know, I mean, look, if the Giants turn it around, I'm, I'm fully back on board. You know, we'll see what they end up doing. Um... You know, I think that uh, it would be foolish. It would be foolish to think that, you know, I think that the general manager is gone. Definitely gone. I think the coach is probably gone. And, um, you know, whoever comes in, it's then it's going to become, you know, I, I think you have, like, Barkley has to, has to go. And then the next guy coming in, you know, you still got Jones for one more year on the rookie deal. This quarterback class isn't as strong as everybody like would like it to be. Do you give the guy one more year, which I think would be foolish. I think you just take a quarterback every year until you find a pretty good one. But that's what, not what they're going to do. So it's either going to be do you wait one more year. They have two, for, two top ten draft picks this year. Um what do you do? Do you try and build around them again and make that fucking mistake? I don't know. So, you know, I look at the state of the Giants. It could go one of two ways. I don't think Jones is very good at all. I think, you know, he's probably like, uh, you know, I think that that he's decent enough to where you could win with him with, like, elite-level coaching. 
Like, if he was the quarterback of the Niners or was in the situation of Jared Goff when he was with the Rams, do I think Daniel Jones is much worse than Garoppolo or Jared Goff? Probably not. Uh, I don't think he's much worse. I don't think he's. I certainly don't think he's any as good or better. Uh, but if you put him in that type of situation with like an elite offensive talent level coach, I think that he could move the ball. Obviously, turnovers has been an issue. Uh, like the same thing with like Sean Payton. Like Sean Payton has shown uh, an ability to win games with Taysom Hill, who's not a quarterback, or Trevor Simeon, or Jameis Winston. I don't think Daniel Jones is that much worse than these guys. Like all of these guys that I'm talking about are or were, um, you know, backup quarterbacks or you know low low. Low, really low end QB ones or uh, uh, high end backups, um, and I think he's probably somewhere in that category as well. Um, but the chances of of the Giants, um, you know, <laughs> getting McVay or getting Shanahan or getting someone who is their peer. Is is so low, like there's only like a handful of guys who could elevate quarterbacks this bad to the point of being able to win games. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you could even make a case that like Josh McDaniels and Frank Reich and these other like really good offensive coaches are incapable of doing that. You know. Like, you really only think of, like, two guys that are total system, you know, guys who can really elevate subpar players. You know, Kyle Shanahan made Nick Mullins look pretty good. I mean, for some reason, I don't know what happened this year, but Stefanski, when he's doing the the right thing and running the ball, he made Baker Mayfield look at least serviceable. And I think, you know, <laughs> that's another guy. Do I think Daniel Jones is that much worse than Baker Mayfield? No. But these are all bad players. <laughs> He's obviously not good. Like, these are all bad, bad players. And he's probably best served as a backup. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that if you have an elite, elite, elite offensive coach, that you could still win games with bad quarterbacks. And... Um, you know, McVeigh and Shanahan have shown that they've they've brought two. You know, look at Goff now. I mean, I don't think Goff is as bad as everybody thinks that he is. I mean, he's having it honestly. Like the fact that they've been able to win a couple games with the offensive talent that they have is is truly impressive. I think that speaks both to his perseverance and Dan Campbell. But to suggest that in any other situation, or that Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo would be Super Bowl appearing quarterbacks is like those guys are not good <laughs> and uh you know that that those guys were able to get to to super bowls and not win with the best offensive coaches in potentially the history of the game 
So if you can't get it done <laughs> in literally the best situation you could be in as a low-level starting quarterback or a high-end backup, then you're not going to ever get it done. So, you know, to me, Jones is, is needs to move on. We need to move on from him, you know, um, if by some grace of grace of God, he ends up in a situation like that, good for him, but he's never going to succeed unless he plays with someone who's just a fucking straight-up genius. And the, the chances of the Giants getting the next genius are, are slim. So, you know, which way they decide to go, I don't know. Um, you know, Joe Lombardi is a guy that's kind of surfacing on the radar now. Um, you know, he's the OC with um, with the Chargers. You know, obviously Justin Herbert uh, learning a new system this year and only his second year is still playing um, at a <laughs> all-pro level. Um, does that speak to that guy coming in? I mean, he was with, you know, he's a Sean Payton guy. So I have no doubt that he knows what he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, but but you, you can't get mixed up in that because how much does that speak to this guy coaching Justin Herbert <laughs> versus, um, you know, Justin Herbert just being great? And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to tell. So, you know, he's he's a guy that's kind of floating around in the radar now, too. I mean, you know, there's could be other guys. I mean, look at fucking Nick Sirianni. Everybody thought that that guy was a fucking idiot and, and Philly's in, has a playoff spot right now. And he's made the most out of a team that, you know, has a weird kind of construction to it and obviously a quarterback that has limitations throwing the ball. And by all accounts, this is his first year starting, too. He only started, what, four or five games last year? Very impressive. But, you know, for the Giants, you know, to you're going to have to – this is what it's going to take. It's going to take getting one of these guys and kind of parlaying that into, um, you know, a quarterback that, that you feel comfortable with and – you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to suffer through another bad year next year, regardless of these two high draft picks, because the team has so many needs. Now, all of a sudden, you, I think they have maybe one more year left of Bradbury. So, like, the secondary was, like, the strength of your team. Now, it's it obviously hasn't translated to any victories. <laughs> and now you're going to start losing players because you're going to have to start paying them. <laughs> like, who do you even bother paying on this team? You just signed Kenny Galladay who I'm pretty sure still doesn't have a... Let's check that, actually. I'm pretty sure he still doesn't have a touchdown reception. Now, Kenny Galladay was just signed to a $72 million deal, has 31 catches for 477 yards and no touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking awful. That is so, so awful. Nobody on the team... I'm looking at it now. Nobody on the team has more than two touchdown receptions. Evan Ingram and uh, Saquon Barkley 
are the two players on the Giants with two touchdown receptions. <laughs> I mean, that's just pathetic. That is just downright pathetic. So, you know, I don't know what you could point to at this at this point. You know, Jones it hasn't when he's been on the field has not been good and he can't stay on the field. So, this guy desperately needs to go. Um whether it's this year or the year after, you know, listen, at the end of the day is it the worst is it the worst thing in the world if you know, they they take two offensive linemen in the top ten, and you suffer through another year of Daniel Jones playing subpar, and then you move on from him, from him then, where you have more pieces in place for a rookie quarterback to come in and succeed. Now, that's not the worst thing in the world, and that's probably what they'll end up doing. But if they hang on to Judge for another year, as much as I like to think that you know, in the right situation, I think he's a good. I think he's good at leading a locker room, but he's the type of guy that needs to be able to have an elite staff around him, an elite play caller both on offense and defense. And he's proven to be incapable of choosing the right guys. So I don't know how much longer I could put my faith in in a guy who's good at maintaining a a presence in a locker room at the end of the day you have to that has to translate to wins and he has nobody around him that that can call plays effectively. And they don't have good players. So I don't know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which way they go. I think, you know, if they can get their hands on one of these offensive-minded coaches, that's obviously kind of what they need. Uh, they need a, you know, I would love to see them bring in an experienced general manager, um, someone like John Dorsey, who turned the Browns around overnight and then got fired for some reason because they didn't make the playoffs. Um, you know, he loaded that team up with talent. The only mistake that he made was taking Baker Mayfield. But, um, you know, that team is loaded with talent, uh, and it was seemingly done overnight. The Giants have absolutely no talent, and you bring in an experienced guy like that who knows what he's doing, come in and bring some fucking talent in, and then and then it's just a matter of getting the quarterback and the coach right. Um, so... That's kind of the way that I would like to see them go. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be starting from ground zero, at least. that That's what they should be doing because this team is awful. You know, at least with the Jets, um, you know, you have something to build on because you have the young quarterback. And although he hasn't looked great, um, you know, he's still young. And, you know, I, I, I think that with young quarterbacks, you could tell right away whether or not they're going to be, like, studs. Um, you know, like Herbert Burrow comes on the field right away, like, first three starts, throwing for 300 yards, two touchdowns. Like, those are elite quarterbacks. Wilson, I think it's already come and gone that, like, he's not going to be elite. But he could still be good, and um, that remains to be seen. And, you know, you at least have faith in this kid being really young, athletic, you know, um, kind of an up and down year in terms of his health and the health of the players around him. They obviously really don't have any playmakers. This Elijah Moore kid is something that you can hang your hat on as a Jet fan. He's definitely definitely uh, going to be a player. So, I mean, at least you have kind of that 
window of opportunity with the young quarterback. Um, you know, obviously some bad injuries to the offensive line with Becton, who you expect to be a pro bowler for a long, long time. So going into next year with, again, two high draft picks similar to the Giants where you can fill some needs. Um, they're obviously not paying very many people, so they're going to be able to bring some people through free agency. Going into next year, it's you have a little bit of an excitement because uh, I would expect that you would – it would be um, – it would be at least sensible – to um to expect the Jets to jump to six or seven wins next year after two high draft picks and um you know a trip to free agency as well. So, you know, that's a big step in the right direction. You know, if the Jets are all of a sudden going, you know, I guess now with the, the uh the extra game, if if they go like seven and ten or eight and nine next year, then that that starts to build momentum, and all of a th- all of a sudden things start to change, and anything uh, over that is uh, you know an overachievement, and then you're starting to really get excited because then you're in the playoff hunt. At least you have that on the horizon. If it goes sideways, and you use these draft picks, and you go through free agency, and you sign players, and then you win four or five games, then you're where the Giants are, (laughs) which is the worst place you could be. So, you know, that was kind of the hope with Giant fans coming in this year. They almost won the horrible division last year, and they were honestly pretty competitive, pretty good last year. So all that hope got thrown into, you know, you had the draft, you had some big free agent signings, and then they come into this year and just completely fall flat on their face. And that is the worst thing. The Jets, next year, that's what their season is. They're going to have two big draft picks. They're going to have, um, like I said, free agency. And they're gonna, they're, there's going to be a legitimate chance for the fan base to get excited. And if they fall flat on their face, just like the Giants did, then they're going to have to fucking start over and you're right back to ground zero, just like us Giants fans are. And it's a vicious cycle, you know? And do I think that the Jets, yeah, the Jets definitely have a good chance to, to, you know, at least maybe not, I mean, that division is good now, so, I mean, they'll probably finish last again next year, but they have a chance to win some games, and I, I hope, I genuinely hope that they do, because the level of suffering for all of New York sports right now is, uh, is it's just brutal, and uh, <laughs> as much as I've hated the Jets my whole life, uh, I would honestly find some peace in seeing them at least, you know, succeed a little bit um, just because of how bad everything else has been. All the disappointment, all the negativity. Um, God, we could use a, a little a little boost in just not being the absolute worst city in football for the better, for not the better part, but for a decade now. So, all right, that's not where I expected to go and end up for this episode. We talked pretty much almost exclusively NFL, a little, uh, little bit about Villanova basketball and the state of the New York football teams. Um, you know, that's just how my brain works, just runs wild sometimes. So hopefully 
Uh, we get another good slate of action and, and have a winning record again this week to uh, improve our chances. If we go 3-1, and one, we'll be at 10-2, and two, which would honestly be what we're looking for. So uh, best of luck to everybody um, tailing the picks, and thanks again for listening.